Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another Minutes with Mew podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, joined alongside Scott Mutrim. You hear him on the BCIMG Learfield Radio Network, silent reporter, and he was there for BC Virginia Tech as the BC Eagles came up a 35-28 victory over the Hokies, a back-and-forth game, and, you know, a lot going on there, Scott. Just your general thoughts on the game, obviously great to get a win, 1-0, and uh, schedule shakes out pretty nice for the Eagles over the next couple weeks. Yep, uh, you can only win the next game on your schedule, though. You can't win three games in one weekend. Um, it is kind of ironic trying to do the whole B- uh, BC, IMG, Learfield. It's such a mouth, it's such a mouthful that I, I, I struggle getting it out myself. I was going to give you some props for getting that one out there. <laughs> it's, t- yeah, it's um, tough. It is. Uh, what thoughts generally is going into that game, you, you had a pretty good confidence of what to expect from the offense. You knew that you were going to get a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon. You just wanted to see what Anthony Brown was going to be able to do. And he had an outstanding first half. Uh, offensively, I thought he had some deep shots down the field. His ability to throw the deep ball is, is, not, is unquestioned based on like a lot of his performances last year. Uh, those deep throws, it's, it's some of the intermediate ones that you want to see some progress, and there were some good throws there that he had, especially some to Hunter Long in the second quarter. I thought those stuck, uh, stood out to me because there were a couple third-down conversions in there, and that's shown some, some maturation in his part. Uh, the offensive line, you had to replace three guys, but I think just from talking to Steve Adazio, he feels that they've replaced guys with quality players up there and doesn't feel like they're going to miss a beat, and Besides some pre-snap penalties in the first half, that offensive line did a pretty good job. And if you look at the yardage totals, you got almost four, you know 450 yards of offense. That's, that would be considered a success when you're breaking in three new offensive uh, linemen going in there. And the tight ends were, you know, as everything that they're advertised, there's always two of them out there. So they, they did great. And then the one special guy we talked about to keep an eye on, Zay Flowers, on the explosive plays with – a jet sweep and two big catches that really kind of turned the table and really gave BC that first half momentum that they were able to use to, to get themselves a big lead. And then, you know, the, the general thoughts I had too is, you know, BC could have even won this game by more points. That's the general feel I had. I mean, you look at turnovers uh, for the game. Was it 5-0 turnovers, I believe? No, BC had an interception on that Kobe White reverse pass in the uh, in the second half, so it was five to one. Five one, excuse but, me. But yeah, you, I, general feel is watching that. I was like, geez, BC, especially at half, I guess they should be up more than fourteen points, and then uh, you know they end up winning by seven. But you still got to credit good win. But I almost felt like this they outplayed them even more than the score indicates. Yeah, I think. Well, the other thing you got to take into account are two of those. Um, turnovers are red zone turnovers where BC intercepted the ball in the end zone so it's tough to convert on those but they did a good job converting on the other two 
where you get the fumble on the strip sack by Tate Haynes and then on the on the muff pump that, that they were able to capitalize on. So those were kind of on the opposite side of the field turnovers. And then Tanner Carafa's interception, the, the final turnover of the game, was an absolute momentum changer because Virginia Tech had really started to, to turn the tables a little bit there. And with that interception uh, by Tanner Carafa, that really helped kind of slow some of their momentum down. So although they did out turnover them there, uh, some of them were, you know, victims of deep in their own territory or momentum shifters to begin with. So credit, credit to that BC defense for being opportunistic and causing those five turnovers because, you know, they did not generate a ton of pass rush outside of a couple blitzes. You did not see a lot of four-man pass rush, which I, I think as you look at the stats allowed uh, Ryan Wells to have a very good game throwing the football-wise. He threw for, you know, 325-plus yards for four touchdowns. Uh, you see some of that, and that's obviously, I would say, a concern going forward. And Steve Adazio addressed that in his postgame con- comments that they do need to get some – they do need to get some pressure with four guys, but the thing that it stood out to me the most were the amount of guys that they played. Uh, I was really impressed by all the different layers and guys that they sent out there. I usually don't see that kind of showing of depth uh, from BC this early in the season, and it was impressive to see the amount of guys. They, they went eight or nine deep at the defensive line. I know at least five to six linebackers played and at least eight defensive backs played, so Usually when you have that amount of depth playing, it's a blowout. To see that in a one-touchdown game is even more impressive because they're giving some younger guys some experience. And also, don't forget, you know, it's a 14-point game for for most of that second half. Virginia Tech scores to make it a one-score game with two minutes. And BC, to their credit, didn't give up a big play, although they did give up that touchdown to to bring it a one-score game. It took 18 plays for Virginia Tech to get down there. They kept everything in front of them, and Virginia Tech had to convert two long third downs to even stay on the field, which as a defense you're not really going to count on that a ton to happen to you. So, you know, Virginia Tech's a good team as well. They they deserve some credit as well. So uh, although I do think that, you know, they could have won by more, uh, I thought they did an, an excellent job of, not giving up easy easy plays and easy over-the-top touchdown plays besides their first score of the game. Okay, you mentioned it briefly. Let's just break it down offense-defense. Let's start with the defense, Scott. Um, what do you think? A couple, couple positive, couple negatives with the defense. And uh, you mentioned one thing, played a lot of players. Also, the third-down conversion rate wasn't good for the defense. But what's your thoughts overall on the defense? I thought you saw some young young guys step up to make some plays. Tate Haynes is one of those guys. Brandon Sebastian, although, you know, experienced as a you know a starter from last year, he did have a big end zone interception. Uh, Joey Sparicio with a huge interception from the linebacker position at uh, the end of the first half, which really stopped another Virginia Tech drive and enabled BC to go into the half with a two-score lead. Uh, that was impressive. Uh, Joey Lucchetti got a sack. He was a young guy that's a great athlete that they were able to redshirt last year and move him from the tight end position. He did some good things. Um, there's some young guys that, that, that made an impact, and it was good to see. I thought that was, uh, that was impressive. Their ability to turn over Virginia Tech was a great job. You get five turnovers in a game, that's, that's a, usually a winning recipe. So that's something that sticks out on the positive side for me. And, Negative side, I, I definitely say the inability to get off the field on some of those third downs is, is, is frustrating. 
the inability to generate some normal pass rush with guys winning one-on-one matchups is is something that they need to do better because if you're not if you're not able to generate heat with four-man pass rush, other teams are going to be able to scheme against you and be able to neutralize any sort of pressure packages that you can throw against them. So that almost renders your your blitz package you know non-existent because teams can can game plan for that. So those are some of the things that that I think needs to be addressed. Also, some, there were some missed tackles. That is, I attribute that to a lot of game one issues because game one you, you tend to see those false start pre-snap penalties and some missed tackles and some form, uh, personnel group issues. So you're hoping those things are going to get cleaned up. But the good thing is for, for all the things on defense that they need to clean up on, they're not stuff that you're looking at. They don't have the talent or they don't have the, the capabilities to plug those holes. They're just some experience uh, abilities, and, and that comes from that just comes from playing. The more and more they play, the more and more they get their reps. And I was really impressed with Bill Sheridan's game plan uh, this week and how he, he attacked Virginia Tech and how he mixed and matched coverage, pressure, zone, man. He did a good job of mixing it up, and the more that you can do that, the more that other offenses have to study and respect on tape. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Yeah, you're right. That's a big part I know. And, you know, I, the depth was all nice. It's nice. You, you're kind of seeing, Scott, tell me if you agree. Uh, with, you, with Dazio now, you know, building up, players are now redshirting the program, and you see them emerging. It's really nice to see. It reminds me kind of of the late 90s, early 2000s of Tom O'Brien with the program itself being able to reload uh, year after year. Exactly. It's, it's that that continuing reloading and getting those guys a chance to develop, not forcing guys to play at before they're ready. And that's how you build layers in your program. You have different classes. You have different depths. You're not always going to be 100% hit rate on all your recruits and guys that come in and guys that stay, but your ability to layer some position groups and get you some stability in, in those spots allows you that ability to, to build this depth and allows you to, to be able to do that. And, and another, you know, to transition to the other side of the ball, that's what you see is what they have in the offensive line. Chris Lindstrom, first shot traffic for the Atlanta Falcons, was forced to play as a true freshman because there were no other options for BC at that time. Now you have his brother is able to redshirt. He's able to step in for John Baker and do a great job. Um, you know, James Martin was able to develop and really improve. Like, he, you talked to Coach Dazio, he was not – you know, highly thought of, and he's really worked his tail off to get going. Uh, ben Petrula obviously did play as a true freshman, you know, forced by an injury, but, you know, he's done really well. Tyler Vrabel came in and answered some questions. They did pretty good. I think the thing that impressed me the most was their ability to withstand uh, the pass rush from Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech does a good job with being aggressive, and they're a very downhill team. They like to, to shoot gaps, and they like to get some penetration to cause disruption and negative plays in the backfield. And the offensive line did a good job of protecting the quarterback and did a good job of punching some holes in the run game. Now, 
Virginia Tech was not going to let A.J. Dillon beat them, and that was very, you know, fairly evident by their their safeties playing so close to the line of scrimmage. But the offensive line held up well, and I thought they, they did a good job in the run game. And you obviously have to credit the tight ends, too, because that's part of their responsibility as well. But you saw a lot of uh, good, solid play by that, and especially on the pass-blocking side, I was pleasantly surprised to see that, for especially for the three new young guys. And I always like to get your take as a former quarterback. Break down Anthony Brown. What did you think of him in week one? This is his year to really, really shine. Junior, uh, retro junior, excuse me. So he can. this is his time to take off. Yeah, it, this is definitely his time that this is, becomes his team. And it's not just it's your, your game experience now. You've played over 20 games. It's not just about the physical aspects of the position now. You have to do the other things. That's leading the huddle getting the other 10 guys in there to, to, to focus on their jobs, to be confident that no matter what happens, you're going to be their leader, to, to get you in good run checks, to get, the, to get good play calls, to move some protections around. Like when you're experienced in these things, like you have to have more responsibilities on your shoulders and your ability to do that as a field general. You know, they use that cliche a ton, but it really, it really matters. You, so much of that position just isn't the running and throwing. And his ability to, to focus and convert on third down, they were 6-for-11 in the first half. It had been a major thorn in BC side for the last couple of years, third down conversion. So that was something I was happy to see. And most of all, I was happy to see him use his legs. I mean, his touchdown run was, couldn't have come at a more perfect time. The entire Virginia Tech defense was keying on AJ and his ability to pull that ball in and take it upfield and run. That, that adds a whole other dynamic to that offense. So I thought in the first half he did a good job. Um, third quarter was tough. You go 3-3 three, three and out, so that's something you really need to avoid. Slow start in that third quarter allowed Virginia Tech to get some momentum back. But that's something that I think Anthony needs to really focus on now is getting those tough third down conversions when, when the team needs them and, and to, to really avoid the other – the other offenses from gaining momentum by getting back on the field. He's got to be able to keep his his squad on the field because Mike Bajakian wants to run a lot of plays. Um, I was really impressed with his game plan to, to, to go further on to that. I thought they ran 40-some plays in the first half. He seemed very decisive. I loved his personnel groups and his his way of very confident in running what he wanted to run and and the way in which he wanted the offense to look, I was really impressed with how uh, how he called the game on Saturday. And then just to round up the offense, A.J. Dillon, a little slow start first half, but uh, came on strong and got that big third and nine conversion uh, down the stretch in the fourth quarter to seal the game. Yeah, and it's tough because that, that defense was not going to allow him to to get any momentum. They're not going to sit back, and, and they're not a read-and-react defense. They're an attack play downhill type defense and unless you're able to punch a hole in that stuff they have all their gaps covered there's a lot of guys at the point of attack so it's tough to get going but you'll see that his touchdown run was a great was a great just athletic play putting his foot down and cut back against all the pursuit get into the end zone that's you know the aj dillon you you expect to see and then that key mark run was the third and nine when everybody in the stadium and all of massachusetts knew that he was getting the ball and he's able to get 11 yards and seal the game that's that's an all-american move right there that's the guy that gets all the preseason hype the guy that gets you the yardage when you need it the most i think he'd be a little disappointed i bet to tell you that 
he he didn't get going a little more, and maybe you know they, he caught one out of the backfield, and I'm sure I think he wants to catch the ball a little bit more to show that side of his game. And then I bet his biggest disappointment was being stopped on fourth and one in the first half because, you know, you look at that you, that conversion that gets stopped on fourth and one and then the missed field goal, there's the two opportunities to put some points on the board in the red zone that, that they they were unable to capitalize on. And I, I guarantee you A.J. would be the first one to tell you on fourth and one he's got to be able to get that no matter how many guys come unblocked. I think he takes a lot of pride in that, and I think that would probably be a, a little disappointing for him and one of his disappointment moments coming out of this game. All right, Scott, just to wrap up now, we got Richmond coming up, the Spiders. Uh, BC's had success with them over the last, you know, the career. They haven't played too much as well. But uh, what can we uh, suspect of the, the Richmond Spiders coming north to Chestnut Hill? Well, a little bit different style of offense. You're not going to have a season of a quarterback as Ryan Willis from Virginia Tech there. They're going to run the ball a little bit more from that position. Um their quarterback was their leading rusher last week, and uh, he only threw for about 99 yards in their win over, Jackson, I believe, Jacksonville State or Jacksonville. Um, so expect them to, to be a little more running, run-oriented of, of the spread version. So BC's going to have to create some tackles for loss and some negative plays back there. And, and I really think kind of force BC's tempo on Richmond, and that's getting aggressive upfield getting some negative plays on the defensive side to force them out of their comfort zone and make them have to throw the ball in times that they don't want to. And then on offense, you know, you want to see what that first half was, mixing and matching, run, mixing the run with the pass, getting downhill, running a lot of plays, getting the ball in other people's hands, getting David Bailey some touches. I think you're going to, you want to see Travis Levy and Benny Glines get some touches. Those are important guys to this offense. Um, and, and get some of the wide receivers with, with Zay Flowers and Kobe White and all the tight ends. You get all those guys involved, your, your offense becomes less predictable, but also you're able to utilize the weapons and stretch the field horizontally and vertically, which only gives you more room for, for number two as, as the season goes on. All right, Scott, that's a Minutes with Mute. We thank you. I think uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. BC's 2-0 and and gearing up for uh, Kansas. So, but uh, thanks so much for joining us here on this Mids Immune. We'll be listening uh, this Saturday from Chestnut Hill. Sounds great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.